you look at the roster and what we have in the coaching staff, we should win games. We have to perform, though. We're going to hold ourselves to on a high standard no matter what happens. You know, defense is going to do what they do. And last time I heard, they can't win if they don't score points. This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. Your chance to get an in-depth preview of the week ahead in Berea. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. your hosts, Kim Carmen and Gerard Cherry. And a good Thanksgiving week to one and all as we turn and burn to week 12 in your Cleveland Browns, headed back home to First Energy Stadium to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this Sunday. Good evening, friends. Ken Carmen alongside of Gerard Cherry. Gerard, good evening, my friend. Good evening, Kenneth. Wonderful as always to see you. Wonderful as always to hear you. We usually go with four downs, but we have a special guest. Yelda Froholt is going to be joining us here in moments. Gerard, a tough game again up in Detroit as the Browns lost 31-23 to the Buffalo Bills yesterday or Sunday, depending on when people are listening to this. Gerard, the experiences calling the game between the two teams for you in a neutral city. Oh, it was a great experience, just really surreal to the extent that you look around and you see Detroit Lions, Detroit Lions, but on the football field and on the scoreboard, you see the Cleveland Browns and the Buffalo Bills. So that was very interesting. And there were a few Detroit Lions fans that were at the game as well because every time, Ken, they would show the score of the Lions game, you hear this loud eruption. And I'm pretty sure that not that many Browns and Bills fans are that big of fans of the of the Lions, so that was pretty interesting as well to see a lot of Detroit Lions fans in the game, but also give props to the Bills fans as well as the Browns fans who on short notice made this change and gave great attendance. It was almost too, it was pretty, except for a couple spots and areas which, which they didn't let people go to, it was yeah. a great crowd. Well, I got to tell you, Gerard, because I, I, they, they showed some of the crowd shots and there were a couple of different jerseys as well. Oh, there was a lot of different jerseys as well in there, not just even Browns and Bills jerseys. Right. I think some people might be thinking, you know, maybe like a Germany game or a or a London game. I got to tell you, just and if I add them all up, maybe I'd been to a dozen since childhood. It looked like a Hall of Fame game in some spots of, of the stadium. Saw a lot of different Pittsburgh Steelers jerseys. Saw some Packers jerseys. 49ers jerseys. Yeah, yeah a couple right. other teams yeah, in the NFC North yeah. as well. So yeah. there, there was a uh, there was a big mix of jerseys that we saw there. But uh, an indoor experience, a nice experience. I know that the weather on the outside was rough. Yes, it was. But everything on the inside seemed to be pretty nice for everybody, with the exception of, yeah, the Browns came out uh, on the lower end. Again, this time against the Buffalo Bills. And it started out really nice for the Browns, and then things took a turn. And one of the questions has to be being able to run the ball and then being able to defend the run. It's Gerard, it's been a bugaboo the entire year. It certainly has, Ken, and I qualify it as it did, but it didn't in the sense that it did look good, but it could have been better. In that game, the Buffalo Bills were basically sleepwalking through that first half, and in particular, first quarter. So there was an opportunity. Had you taken advantage of those opportunities, you could have been up 21-3 to against the Bills. And when you get that type of a lead for a team that's somewhat slow, sleepwalking and pretty much making a statement that we're not really interested in being here right now, we'll save it for Thursday, you have to take advantage of those opportunities. So for us to only be up at one point 10-3, look – 
I mean, that was a, a lead, but it really really indicated what was to come because really was a matter of the Bills waking up and starting to run the football, as you just alluded to, and what that represented. And, yes, we have a problem stopping it. And I understand why we had a problem starting it because our starting center, Posick, he got hurt, I want to say, the first or second play of the game. It I was watched very it. early. Yeah, I very watched early, it unfold, yeah. and I saw him go back towards the quarterback. Next thing you know, he was holding his knee. So that right there, you have a situation where we're going to speak to Yalta from Holt. And he was put in a very tough spot. And granted, we're professionals. We're asked to do our job when we're called upon. But to have a situation where you've been playing guard primarily the whole entire season, then all of a sudden get thrust upon in a situation in which we do some very intricate things Mm -hmm. from a run coordination standpoint is no easy task. So I get why the run game was somewhat stymied and shut down because, simply put, we ask our center to do a lot in having success with our offense. And when you have that guy who's the quarterback essentially – for the O-line go out. Now you're asking Joel Batonio and company to now make calls. And then you're now asking a guy who's used to just playing guard and not hiking a ball to, one, hike the ball. And this is how challenging the center job is. Hike the ball, then get your reach block on the ball as well. It makes it so difficult. It reminds me, uh, in the years kind of run together after a while, the 2014 season, I think it was, with Brian Hoyer, Mm -hmm. where things had started off well, and then during that, during that Pittsburgh game, Gerard, now it's weird because I'm on the way back from the facility in Berea, and I'm hearing from Jim and Nathan and you that Ethan Posick is out. And mm-hmm. we'll talk to Yelda Froholt here momentarily, I'm sure. But I, I, I still had that same bad feeling, that tough feeling that I had when Alex Mack went down. Because I remember being at the stadium, and they're playing really well against Pittsburgh. And they're just putting it to Pittsburgh. It was one of those weird games, where, and we haven't had many of them in, in, since 99, where you could kind of you know, put the notes away in the fourth quarter and kind of enjoy the fourth quarter because the game was already taken care of. And when Alex Mack gets hurt, there was just this – I don't think it was a feeling of the stadium. I think personally I'm just going, man, I, I don't know about this. Mm-hmm. And they, had, they replaced him with, I think it was Pat or Paul McQuiston. I think it was Pat McQuiston was the guy's name. And he struggled for the rest of the year. Now, I thought that Yelda Froholt did his best, but you know that there's going to be a lot of people coming down that A-gap as these games go on, and especially when Deshaun Watson takes over against the Houston Texans on December 4th. They are going to test a guy who hasn't played football in quite a while, Gerard. Uh, yeah, certainly, and test is an understatement. They're going to flood that area with up-the-middle blitzes and and in different schemes in which you're going to have a twist here, a twist there, and it's all going to come to the center because they're going to force him to make decisions, and it's no easy adjustment. So, no, when you have your, again, your center go down, he's the quarterback of the offensive line. So don't be surprised that teams attack that because it takes timing to get that cadence together and that sense of rapport with your center and the quarterback and the quarterback center in exchange with the snap of the football. It may sound easy and simplistic, but it's actually really difficult and challenging, hence why you practice all season on it. And we'll talk a little bit more about this and what's to come with the Cleveland Browns momentarily. But right now we go to the hotline and we welcome in Browns guard, now center, 26-year-old Yelda Froholt joins us on the show tonight. Yelda, thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, Yelda, first, can you, can you take us through the experience just kind of having to be tossed into the fray against the Buffalo Bills yesterday? Yeah, you know, uh, kind of mentality with the offensive line, you know, next man up. So, uh, you know, we try to prepare all week to make sure that I'm in on any of those interior spots. 
uh, unfortunately, you know, Poe, he got his injury. And, uh, yeah, next man up, got to go in and get the job done. And, Yella, I was trying to explain to our listeners the challenges of being a center. And correct me if I'm wrong, and people don't realize that, obviously, you snap the ball, but you're also responsible for blocking. You're responsible for getting a reach block. You're responsible for making sure you cut guys off. And that transition from guard to center, explain what the other differences and intricacies can be with that position and the difference. Uh, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot more communication going on, kind of taking the reins there, making sure the point's correct, uh, making sure for defensive adjustments or if we, if we go to another play. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of chemistry you kind of need to get with your quarterback, so a lot of work that has to be done here with Jacoby. And uh, I'm just lucky to be surrounded by a bunch of good guards that help me out as well with uh, points and, you know, making sure that where the defense is going, if I have my head in between my legs on the snap count and stuff like that. So I'm surrounded by some great guys, uh, but definitely it's a challenge. Yelda Froholt joining us on the show. Yelda, when, how much practice did you get at the center position before all this? And I'm trying to remember, I do watch a lot of SEC, but did you play center at all in college? Uh, I played a little bit in college. You know, uh, I, I had a bunch of uh, exposure to center here throughout camp as well, and um, taking some um, some snaps throughout throughout the year, but um, you know uh, my position. It is tough position to be in, but you know I got to be ready to go in at any time uh, at those interior spots. So uh, yeah, same idea. You know, we just someone goes down, we got to get in and and make sure that uh, the standard doesn't fall. And Yelda, how was it decided, far as coming out of training camp and going into the season, that you would be the well, you're the backup center now, you're the starting center. But when was that determined? Uh, you know, we just kind of have internal conversations and stuff like that. It's ebbs and flows throughout the season. Uh, it kind of comes to every week depending on game plan and all that stuff. So, And then uh, with a couple of guys going down, you know, with my, my number was called. Go ahead, Gerard. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, no problem, Ken. And then Joel Batonio after the game commented that he's the your backup now. So have you had any conversations with him? And I'm pretty sure he's like, hey, man, I'm going to do all I possibly can to make sure that you stay good and ready to go. Yeah, I mean, it's you, you kind of get in the moment of, oh, no, like, you know, the, the, the worst possible thing could happen, really, with, with Poe going down so early. And, you know, we're thin on the inside with the backups right now, um, the way we're at the game. Um, but, you know, I know Joel is, is, is a, the ultimate pro and, I know that if, if, if worse comes to worse, he'll go in and he'll, he'll definitely do a great job. But uh, I'm sure he's feel much more comfortable at the left side. <laughs> Yelda Froholt joining us on the show. So, Yelda, you are a native of Denmark. You came to, am I correct on this, you came to Warren, Ohio as an exchange student, correct? Yes, correct. What's, what school did you attend? Uh, Warren G. Harding. Warren Harding. Oh, gosh, that's a football factory. I'm sure you know about that. Now, when you started, did you played football over in Denmark before you came here? Is that correct? Yeah, I played for a couple of years back home uh, for a little club in my hometown, Svenborg Admirals, and then I played a little bit for our national team. What's the football scene like in Denmark, if I can ask? Uh, of course, it's not as uh, <laughs> as profound as over here, uh, but you know, it's a, it's a small but growing sport. Uh, there's a little bit more interest coming along in these past couple of years, but. Uh, you know, there's there's some diehards back there for sure. And when did you know that? Hey, man, I have a future in this. And even better question would be, when did you start embracing football and saying, you know what, I really enjoy playing this sport? I think I've always enjoyed it. Uh, my first coach, coach back in Denmark, uh, he really, you know, 
put the love into the game and made it super fun. And I think uh, once I kind of got to college or got got over here to the U.S. and uh, got a couple of college scholarships and, you know, the, the, the road started to look a little bit more clear. But, you know, just trying to take it one year at a time, one day at a time, and uh, keep pushing forward. If my wife and I were to go to Denmark, what do we need to see? Uh, for sure, just got to go down in Copenhagen, go down to uh, Newhound is what it's called. It's like a nice harbor area with restaurants and stuff like that uh, just anything down in Copenhagen got to go on like the stall it's called like a long pedestrian walkway with shops and all kinds of stuff but yeah Copenhagen's probably the place to go if you were going to compare now you, I, I mean I'm sure you've spent a lot of time in Cleveland can you compare Svenborg at all to Cleveland uh maybe a little bit I actually I'm really I was honestly quite surprised with Cleveland. I, I actually really like the downtown area. There's a lot of really cool spots to go. There's a lot of great food around here as well. Um, so definitely been able to explore a little bit more this season and uh, been pretty pleased. But, you know, I got to I gotta admit, I love Svenborg. I love the ambiance we got down there uh, back home over across the ocean. Uh, but Cleveland's definitely doing a good job. Yeah, I'm sure folks appreciate you saying that. And like you, I had the opportunity to play for Bill Belichick, Yeldo, what was that like for you, the experience of playing under Bill Belichick as your head coach when you were with the Patriots? Oh, that was definitely uh, surreal. You know, uh, there's a couple of coaches and a couple of teams you learn about when you're over across the ocean. Uh, you only really hear about the big ones like college. You hear about Bama, Ohio State. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Belichick and the Patriots is definitely a team that you hear about over there um, growing up, at least. Um, so it was definitely surreal to play for him and I uh, definitely think I learned a lot from being under him. It's attention to detail and just fundamental technique and all that stuff that really comes into football. So it was definitely a privilege to be able to be coached by him. Final one from me. What are your plans for Thanksgiving? I uh, got a little Friendsgiving going. I think Wyatt is smoking some turkey, so that should be pretty fun. <laughs> Anything that has to do with Wyatt Teller is bound to be a good time. Yelda, we thank you very much for your time. All the best and continued luck. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. Yelda Froholt joining us in the player spotlight. Fans, mark your calendars. Face off on the lake presented by Meyer. The first major outdoor hockey game is coming to First Energy Stadium February 18th. The Ohio State Buckeyes will host the Michigan Wolverines right here at First Energy Stadium. Tickets are on sale now, and they're starting at just $12. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or give them a call, 440 891 50-50. Coming up next, we'll tell you the final thoughts of a crazy week and preview the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming to town and the living legend, Tom Brady. It's Ken Carmen alongside of Gerard Cherry. It is the Cleveland Browns preview show on the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Win, lose, or draw, if you don't play the standard, there's corrections to be made and there's things to be done that are going to benefit the team, and we're all trying to work to those goals. This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry. Browns fans, if you're going to Sunday's game, get into First Energy Stadium quicker on game days with Express Access, presented by Root Insurance. Enroll for free today, tenor through exclusive lanes at each gate, plus... Each game you use Express Access at First Energy Stadium, you'll be automatically entered for a chance to win a Browns autographed piece of merchandise. Go to the Tickets tab in the Browns mobile app to learn more. Gerard, 
Yes. Looking forward to this game coming up against Tampa Bay, but first, final thoughts on a crazy week against the Buffalo Bills. Keep wanting to say Detroit because it was in Detroit, and the field was all Detroit, and it was at Ford Field, which is in downtown Detroit, but either way, they played the Buffalo Bills. And, and Gerard, I, I think that when you said it in the open, I, I think you can sum it up in this. When you have the fumbles, when you have the fumbled snap, I should say, when, when you have the drop touchdown passes that happen there, it kind of feels like you're waiting around for the other team to figure figure you out. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was the most frustrating part for everybody involved in it, everybody in uniform and everybody on the coaching staff. Exactly. Well said, my friend. That's how I categorize it, and that's what I saw up close and personal And that you had ample opportunities to put that game away. And it's never going to be over with early with a team like Buffalo, but you definitely want to give yourself a cushion, and a 10-3 cushion won't get it done. But a 21-3, that can certainly help the cause. That can certainly do it as well because Josh Allen was all over the place in the first half. Settled down in the second half, but all over the place in the first half. But we move on. Browns coming back to First Energy Stadium and Tampa Bay Hmm. coming to town. Now, I don't want to talk about Tom Brady's personal life, but a big thing happened in his life, and he's 2-0 since. Exactly. He is focused on football, and it's probably Gerard. I mean, listen, a man's life is a man's life, but, you know, you can't help but start to put two and two together. They, They were losing games. There's these weird days off that he had to take, and we understand now. Right, it makes sense. But now that he's kind of fully engulfed in football again, I, I think that trust is back with his teammates. It right. looks like it. Look, I mean, I, I know they had to to really grind out their last game, but that trust seems to be, or that that first win, but that trust seems to be back there with those teammates. Well, that makes sense because he was doing things that are uncharacteristic of someone of his stature and what you typically call his leadership as far as he approaching the, how he approaches the game. Are right, you going to take a day here, a day there? And now that we know what we know, it all makes all the sense in the world because when you have something like that taking place, and I'll talk about it, not in an offensive way about his personal life, but when you're going through something like a divorce, Football is going to become not even secondary. It won't even matter for a moment. You'll go through it because you have to, and it can serve as an escape for you. But it's nowhere near the amount of detail that he puts into preparation for a football game is coach-like. And what I mean by that, Ken, is that Tom Brady is putting in similar hours to what a coach puts in to prepare mm-hmm. you for a game. And you've heard me say time and time again, coaches work much harder than players do far as what they go through to get guys prepared. And that's across the board. So I'm not surprised that his game was off a bit because his game is predicated on preparation. And when you have on the forefront of your mind what's going to happen with your kids, what's going to happen with your ex, who she may be potentially dating or with, all those things will impact how you play the game of football. Yeah, I mean, he's been obsessive. I mean, there's no borderline about it. He's been absolutely obsessive about his preparation. And that's why, you know, it just didn't seem to add up at the beginning of the year, Gerard, where you think, okay, you're getting older. You have to be more obsessed in your preparation because players are just going to be better physically than you when you're 44, 45, going on 46 next year, years old. You have to prepare that much better. You have to be smarter than them and know what they're going to do beforehand. And – I can't believe I'm saying this about the greatest to ever do it. It doesn't hurt his legacy when I'm talking about it mm-hmm. overall, no. But it looked like everybody was kind of not prepared. And that's uncharacteristic, completely uncharacteristic of any Tom Brady team going back to when he first got in when, when you were playing with him, Gerard. Exactly. Well, well, here's the thing, and I don't get why people don't realize this, Ken. It's really simple. 
If you're going to win football games, your level of preparation during the course of the week has to be tremendous, almost to the point to where it's like you have played a game. And then when you get that layoff, that's simmering down, if you will, or lay and taking off the foot off the gas pedal on weeks Friday and Saturday going into the game, then you're ready. But if you go into a game with a week of preparation of half-heartedly looking at film, looking at tape, not, not exerting yourself during the course of the week of practicing in a weight room, you, shouldn't, you don't deserve the win. And a lot of guys get this twisted and think that it's just simply, I'm here, I'm talented, and I show up, and that's going to be enough. That's never been enough, and it never will be. You've played defense against him in practice. It's been a while. How do you attack him, though? How would you well, feel the simple. best way to attack? Oh, please, go ahead. Well, it's really simple. Uh, go, go back to the Giants. They gave you, in 2007, they showed you what you do. It's really simple. Tom is going to beat you pre-snap and post-snap. That's how he beats you. But if thinking about it from that preparation, okay, I see this, I see that. They're going to do this, they're going to do that. But here's the deal. That when you put that four-man pressure on him and you're dropping multiple guys into the coverage, now that confuses things for him. Now that makes things much more murky, if you will, and you can't see everything and it's not as clean of passing lanes and you're not accounting for this guy because you didn't anticipate that happening. And on top of that, you got Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney breathing down your neck. That is how you get Tom Brady off of his game. It's four-man pressure. It's always been that way, and it'll stay that way. Now, we added an extra game. There's 17 games, so there's at least an extra week here. But Thanksgiving week is upon us, Gerard. You and I have talked about this many times. For new listeners, this is a scary time in the NFL. Explain. <laughs> well, well, one of the things with the, with the Thanksgiving week is that you can get completely thrown off your game and get caught up in the festivities of it being Thanksgiving. You cannot do that. But it's a temptation to do it, and most guys do do it. Like, ah, oh, this will be the week where – or even Christmas. You could throw that into the category as well. Well, you want to take part in what everybody else in the country is doing, but you can't. You have to be a professional. You still have to have your same level, if not more, of preparation because of the fact that you have a game on Sunday or Thursday in which – you better be prepared for it. And if you take the week off saying, ah, I'll get it next week or I won't do as much, I need to spend time with the family, yeah, that's precious. That means a lot. But playing this game, unless you're Tom Brady, doesn't, is more than likely only going to be, on average, what, four to five years? So get it in while you can by being the most prepared that you can possibly be because these games are precious. And you got, you got, you're going to have six games with Deshaun Watson coming up starting on the fourth. Mm -hmm. You have this game coming up on Sunday, Gerard. I mean, let's, let's just call it like it is. Players make a lot of money. Yes. They tend to be the hosts for family gatherings. Yes. They can't just get out of town and come back and things like this. So that means a lot of family members and a lot of family friends, especially when things aren't going so well, they tend to let their opinions be known. And some of those opinions tend to permeate when they return on Friday, Saturday, and unfortunately, like we've seen in the past, the game day on Sunday, and that can start to roll downhill in the month of December. Gerard, we've seen it many times. Yes, we have seen it many times. And if you're smart, you just tell family and friends, you guys need to celebrate it by yourselves. It's just going to be me and my significant other. Or if you don't have one, you'd pull a Friendsgiving situation with your teammates and use that actually, Ken, as an opportunity to bond. Because one of the things, if you're going to have a successful football team, you better enjoy each other's company. Because if you don't, it's not going to be a highly likely that you're going to win football games. There's a part of that is for real, of the camaraderie. You need that. Matter of fact, I, I say that you must have it. It's not just a need. you got to have it. And if you don't have it, good luck trying to win. So, if anything, with a team that seems to be struggling from a communication standpoint 
and just having fun playing a game, this might be the perfect opportunity for these guys to break bread together and enjoy each other's company. Even though at this nice. point, too, you're losing is the most miserable thing that you could possibly deal with as an athlete because it just compounds exponentially when you're losing like this. Any time together is probably better time together, especially at times like this, Gerard. I couldn't have said it better myself. You're the one with the experience. You're the one who would know. I think you're as right as can be on that. Fans, be a part of the most passionate fan base in the NFL. Join the Brown season ticket member wait list today for the best chance at securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. When we come back, Gerard and I will go around the league. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry. Browns fans, enter for your chance to win Brown season tickets, free Milkbone dog treats for a year, and more. It's all courtesy of Milkbone, the official dog treat of your Cleveland Browns. Visit browns.com slash Milkbone to enter, then visit your local Meyer to check out all the varieties of Milkbone dog treats. Gerard, are we ready to go around the league? I think we are. Yes, sir. Away we go. First one up, is there such a thing as there being a lull in the month of November, when it comes to the NFL, a lot of good teams struggling to lesser teams in the past few weeks. Yes, it is such a thing. Wow. It's, and it's and it's the crazy part about it is that third quarter is probably the hardest part of the NFL season. Now, the 17 games kind of throws things off to make it based upon quarters, but you get what I'm saying in that yeah. you get to that space to where some guys don't have the ability to Focus and look at the Philadelphia Eagles, what they're going through right now. They've had two weeks in a row where the best team in my mind in the NFL have struggled against lesser opponents. When you think about it, they struggled against the Colts, and the previous week was against the, yeah, on Monday it was against the Commanders, who are a decent football team. So in my own experience, I felt that too. You hit, you, We talk about that rookie wall, but there's a wall just in general of just playing football and trying to stay at the highest level. Your body's pushing back because you have to push it through it. To get to that place to where, okay, I'm going to sacrifice myself physically, emotionally, and spiritually to get through this. And sometimes people just lose that ability to stay within it in the month of November. So, yes, this is totally true. But what you want to take, have take place, Ken, is that when December hits, you better be pl- – and now you got to say January. Mid, mid to late December into January, you want to be playing your best football. Hence why when you get that bye in the middle of the season, yeah. saying around November is such a godsend because it gives you a chance to say – Take a breath, recover, now let's go. By the way, and you know who the last two years in a row, I hate to say it, but ever since the Browns played him, Joe Burrow, now in the month of November again, take it off again. There he goes. Mm-hmm. They got another win. Uh, if you can only watch one game on Thanksgiving, which one are you watching? Bills at Lions, Giants at Cowboys, Pats at Vikings. Uh, eliminate the Pats and Vikings, not interested. Oh. Uh, actually, I'm gonna, I, I love what I'm seeing Kirk out of Detroit. Cousins, the Thanksgiving leftover. <laughs> shall we? Yes, nice. Uh, uh, <laughs> now, okay. I'm going to go with the Bills-Lions. One, we just saw the Bills, and it's interesting because the Lions are actually on a winning streak right now. So, let's see if some home cooking helps the cause. I, you know, that was my first thought. That's a 12-30 game, too, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to say Bills-Lions as well. I'm going to go ahead and agree with you on that one, Gerard. We agree too much this year. Uh, second or third one, factor You're finally fiction. getting wise, dog. <laughs> okay, well, all right, here we go. 
Uh, fact or fiction? It's Patrick Mahomes' MVP trophy to lose. Fiction. The NFL so wants to get this award to Josh Allen. They want some new blood in there. So I will not be surprised if 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 Patrick Mahomes does not win it and it goes to Josh Allen, especially the way he's playing. And heck, you might want to start throwing Tua's name into the conversation if they keep playing the way they're playing down in Miami. Yes. By the way, I don't know if – well, no, because it was – um. It was the Cleveland Browns kickoff show, so you would have been getting ready to go do News 5. Um, we talked to Steve Tasker, and Steve, Ta- I mean, pulled no punches, kind of was like, not, not, he wasn't being mean-spirited about it, Gerard, mm-hmm. but he was going, yeah, I think some of the MVP talks kind of got to Josh a little bit. Ooh. Like, he's like, doing too much. And remember the quote, I, I, I think it's Lombardi, uh-huh. but it was the quote of, success, true success is driven by doing the tedium of what is successful mm, and not deep. getting bored by it. Uh-huh. And, you know, Josh, I wonder now, I mean, over the last few weeks, he's had some struggles. And you start to wonder, is is he thinking he's not doing enough by just taking what the defense is giving him and moving on about his business? Because you had that game against the Jets where I think he really wanted to light up the Jets mm-hmm. and it went against him. And then you got this gate. You're up 27-10 against the Vikings. Mm-hmm. You Stefan Diggs' old team. Mm-hmm. You really want to just step in there and put the boots to him. And all of a sudden, things just go awry. And then that's two weeks in a row. And then this last game, he get, the, the injury, I think, kind of settled him down. And the mm-hmm. first play, first half play kind of settled him down where he was not himself. And finally, he's like, all right, I got I to gotta take what's given to me. And we just got to get out of here with a win now. Right, and there's some. there could be some truth to that. I mean, Tasker's a former Bill, and he's probably still very connected to what's going on in that organization. But I've always seen him in this light, Ken, that he's always been the guy that's going to give you two to three opportunities to get a big play because that's just simply how he plays football. So the yeah. fumbling and the interceptions, that's nothing new. That's always been his game. What's really novel about him is the fact that they're so dependent upon him for the success is why he's in that conversation. Now, if you're telling me that when he should be – passing the football or throwing it away that he's running just so he can get an award, then shame on him because he's really hurting himself and the team because it can't be about the individual accolades because if it is, you're not going to win football games and ultimately your teammates are going to sense it and you're going to find yourself getting hurt, especially playing the quarterback position. Are the Cowboys the most talented team in the NFC? Not necessarily the best, but are they the most talented? And if if you're thinking around this team, no. what's holding them back? Okay, go ahead. Because their receivers aren't the most talented in the National Football League. They don't have the most talented receiving core. Do they have some good running backs? Yeah. You got to give respect to what those Zeke is doing as well as Pollard. Do they have the best quarterback in the NFL? No. Dak is all right, but he's not the best. Now, if you go on the defensive side of the ball, you got some arguments there for some guys that are flat-out ballers. They're a talented football team, but I will not say that they're the most talented. The sad part is we could be in this conversation. But our record doesn't even allow us to even speak on it. Is it terrible? I think I, I think I think you're right. I think that San Francisco's more talented. I think I could give an argument for Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. You could. Uh, I mean, they're up there. They're yeah, certainly, they're up, certainly there, up there. But, yeah, but I, I, I look at those two teams. I go, I think those two teams have more talent. Um, speaking of holding people back, is Zach Wilson holding the Jets back for being even better than yes. their 6-4 and four record? Yes, <laughs> you ain't got to finish the question. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Without a shadow of a doubt. And unfortunately now he finds himself in a bind where his teammates don't respect him because he won't come clean and say, hey, man, I need to play better. That's really all you have to do and dudes will get behind you and support you. you got to play the humility card and mean it. But he's unwilling to do that. So he's in a rough spot now because that will give 
a lot of attention to the locker room one and also the powers that be that will make that decision. We may have to move on from this guy because once you lose the locker room, there's no coming back. Ask, ask Carson Wentz about it. He lost it. And, and never ju- came back. I was a Justin Fields guy through and through, and it, it's terrible that he hurt his shoulder. Mm-hmm. I know it's his, I think it's his non-throwing shoulder, but it's terrible that he hurt that shoulder. He played through it as best he could anyway until they carted him off. And I'm looking at the Zach Wilson, the Zach Wilson stuff. I, I bet you agree with me. I just never got it. When people are saying to me when they were going, he's good in chaos. And it's All like Mahomes. Plays, yeah. I'm like, are you telling yourselves this just so you draft this guy? Are you willing to listen to any new information at all? See, and it just felt like, yep, they're going to take him no matter what, and that's it. See, when you go down these roads, these conversations, Ken, it, it, it gets dangerous because I was thinking the same thing you were thinking. And, unfortunately, you can't help but think, okay, is this an issue of ethnicity and race or why you're choosing this guy? Because, to me, it was clear that Fields was the better prospect. So why are you going with this guy and giving more doubt on Justin? Now, obviously, we don't live in a perfect world, and we're better as a society, but sometimes these old antiquated thoughts, unfortunately, do rear their ugly head. And right now, he's proven everybody right who felt that Fields was the better candidate for that job as opposed to taking him. I kept hearing anticipatory throws, anticipatory throws. I'm like, well, there's such thing as coaching. Yeah. He's a great athlete. He's getting coaching, and the sad part, he's still screwing up. He's coach. Well, with Zach Wilson, I don't know what to tell you, but yeah. with, with with Justin Fields, I'm like, all right, we yeah, got, that's we got light at the of, end of the tunnel here. Exactly. That's what put him with the right, give him weapons, give him protection, and let him thrive. And that is around the league, Gerard. We thank you very much. We know you're off to TV land. Jason Gibbs will join us coming up here in a bit. Gerard, we'll talk to you coming up on Sunday. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, my friend. Thank you. Kenneth. And of course, yes, sir, Gerard Cherry. We say goodbye to him. Jason Gibbs will join us coming up in a bit. Up next. The voice here, Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospitals. Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is Browns kicker K. York. This is Browns quarterback Jacoby Brissett. This is John Johnson, and you are listening to the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. Browns fans, be sure to stop by the free Twisted Tea tailgate pregame party prior to every home game. The Twisted Tea tailgate is located on the west side of First Energy Stadium and combines the atmosphere of a beer garden with live music and food and drink options. The Twisted Tea tailgate opens four hours prior to kickoff and is open to fans with a ticket to the game. Joining us on the hotline right now, getting you set for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday on our special holiday edition of the Cleveland Browns preview show, the voice of your Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan. Jim, thanks for joining us. Ken, good to be with you. I uh, just finished up. Just before you came on and, and welcoming me in, booking a trip to Copenhagen. Uh, Cheryl and I are all set. Looking forward to it. <laughs> well, you beat me to the punch. I was going to have Lizzie looking it up, and now I got to go, go over to. Yeah, well, you know. Well, there were plenty of seats available, so uh, please feel free to jump in. <laughs> The Danish vacations, they're big this time of year. Um, Detroit vacations were big for every – that's a nice yeah. segue. You see how that works? Detroit vacations yeah, were big yeah. on Sunday. What was that atmosphere like before we get into the game itself? Um, I thought it was terrific. I really I really did. I thought it was terrific because of the journey. And, I mean, I put that in italics. The journey people had to make, especially the Buffalo fans, to get there, considering what they had to get out of and how they had to travel and get over there. But, boy, they were definitely, um, you know, dialed into being there and trying to get their team out of this two-game losing streak that they were in. So 
they were in huge numbers. And then, you know, a ton of Browns fans, you know, packed the bag and threw it in the car and got up there uh, for, a, for a Sunday afternoon. So it was really unique because you really did have two fan bodies in the uh, in the uh, um, in the uh, stadium, and it was it was really like a college bowl game, to be quite honest with you, where you would have two schools and you would have you know their fan bases present, and that's what you had yesterday. Yeah, it was really interesting to see just how it all mixed together there, uh, Jim. For the game itself, your thoughts on how things just unraveled? I couldn't help but tell Gerard. I, I said. Gosh, it just seemed like everybody was waiting around for the Bills to get the Browns figured out, and once they did, that was it. Yeah, it's becoming very repetitive, too, and I think that's the thing that's alarming. There are a lot of things that are alarming about the way that they're playing, but I think when you take a step back and you look at it, there's a sameness to these losses in that they start out very good. I mean, the best way you can, they go down and score. They don't add to that lead. As, as they get off to these great starts, and that's a problem number one. That problem number two becomes that once they have some kind of a blip, some kind of a turnover, the, the drop snap yesterday, um, you know, the drop passes in the end zone by the two tight ends on second and third down, the weird call with the direct snap from eight yards out and Chubb takes the six-yard loss. Once those things start to happen, first of all, they multiply. And second of all, they can't put their foot on the brake and halt that and get back into a normal flow of the game. And it just seems to accumulate on them. And like you said then, I think the other team just says, okay, this is there for the taking. These guys are self-destructing. All we have to do is do a little bit of good stuff. And believe me, Buffalo just really did a little bit of good stuff to get the lead, and then they take the game over. So you can put the name of game uh, you know, on the particular situation, Buffalo yesterday, Miami the week before, you know, and it's the Chargers when they were here, the Browns took a 14 nothing lead, and there's a real sameness to these defeats. Jim, and now you look across the offensive line, which was at the beginning of the year the pride for Browns fans, and now it's been banged up. Jack Conklin got banged up at the end of the game late on yesterday, on Sunday, and then right. Ethan Posick goes down right at the beginning, and I'm driving back on 80 from the facility, and I'm listening to you guys and you had mentioned that Yelda Froholt was in at center and Alex Mack, 2014, right across my head. I go, oh, goodness gracious, this is really going to hurt the run game no matter what. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of a lot of experience. How does Bill Callahan help out a center who's got to call out the mic every time? Well, if anybody could do it, maybe he can do it because he is such a gifted and uh, grizzled and experienced uh, offensive line genius as a coach. So, I mean, I'll, I'll give him that. I'll put that chip on the side of the table for the Browns, but it's going to be very, very difficult. I mean, you know, Ken, if you go back now, the last few years, that was the beauty of JC Treader um, is that he played, right? I mean, he yeah. played through some awful stuff that year that he had that high ankle sprain. And I would look at him Monday through Friday out at the practice facility. He'd be walking around in a big boot all week long, but son of a gun, he was out there doing his thing on Sunday afternoon. So that was the beauty of him. But it really does. Alex Mack is an excellent example because it really upsets the whole chemistry of everything. And it really did, as you focused in on what was going on, even on exchanges between Brissett and, and Yelda Froholt, you know, as the game progressed, were a little awkward at times. I mean, it wasn't a fumble, but it wasn't the cleanest exchange. And I thought early on he had so much on his plate that he uh, couldn't identify who he was blocking and 
a guy like Ed Oliver was in the backfield, and I think that added to the Browns' offensive woes. So it, you're right, the offensive line right now, which was the strength and the calling card of this team right now, is uh, in some trouble. Final one, how do you go about attacking Tom Brady Sunday afternoon? Well, I'll tell you who used to do a great job, okay, in, in doing this with some success. Not that anybody has had a lot of success. Now, I heard what Gerard said to you earlier about the four-man Russian. He's right. The Giants had one way of doing it, and it was very successful for them, certainly in those two Super Bowls. Um, believe it or not, Ken, Eric Mancini had a really very dialed-in way to do it, too. And he felt, and I thought Gerard was kind of tapping into this, too, but Eric Mancini one time told me that what you had to do with Tom Brady is that you could not declare what you were going to do defensively pre-snap. You had to do something right at the last second because he could diagnose everything. But if you could keep things under wraps until he actually has to snap the ball, he becomes irritated, he becomes a little bit hesitant, and it really bothers him. Now, it worked for Mangini maybe one time, maybe two times when he was with the Jets, but he did it in in Cleveland. I remember they beat Brady uh, here in Cleveland with Brian Dable as, as Eric's offensive coordinator. And they did a marvelous job that day, and that was the strategy that he employed. Boy, we know Eric's still in the area. It's got to be a amazing feeling to be able to frustrate Tom Brady, to say the least. Yes. Jim, we can't, we can't thank you enough for the time. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family. We'll talk to you on Sunday. Ken, you too, and to everybody out there, have a great Thursday. Have a great holiday. And uh, let's see if we can turn this thing around Sunday. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Jim Donovan, the voice of your Cleveland Browns, joining us here as we get set for the Browns and Buccaneers on Sunday. We'll take our final time out. When we come back, Jason Gibbs and I will preview the Kevin Stefanski show. And we'll tell you what's to come as we get you set for Thanksgiving week and a big Sunday matchup against Tom Brady in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns preview show on the University Hospitals. Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is Browns cornerback Denzel Ward. This is Browns wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones. This is Joel Batonio, and you're listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. You're up two minutes. Remember, it's a special Tuesday edition of the Kevin Stefanski Show at 7 p.m. Coach and defensive end Chase Winovich will join Nathan Zagura and I as we preview Sunday's game against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, what are we watching for on Sunday against Tampa Bay? It's a holiday week, and I said that Jason Gibbs was going to join us, and then I went, ah, I got to figure it out. I go, no, Jason Gibbs is going to say what he's watching for in this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday. I was going to say, I've watched every game in its entirety for the last, like, ten years, buddy. Like, yeah, what am I thinking? A here? couple Go things going for you. Yeah. Uh, number one, if you win the coin toss, please defer, because I can't oh. have a back to back again. No. no more. No more of those. No more. No more. You got to weather the obstacles. You're going to have one or two. You got to be able to bounce back. This team has struggled to do that. Win the third quarter. We've seen the first half. We've seen the first quarter. They look pretty minute. darn good in the first quarter. Yeah, they have they been outscored 9-0, 13-3, 3 in three of the last four third quarters. Struggling. Got to win the third quarter. Well done. Well That's done. it, buddy. I'm out. Jason Gibbs, the executive producer, doing a wonderful job as always. He's what keeps everything afloat here. He'll keep it afloat coming up Tuesday night. The Kevin Stefanski Show, 7 p.m. Coach and defensive end 
Chase Winovich will coach Kevin Stefanski, and then defensive end Chase Winovich will join Nathan Zaguri and I as we preview Sunday's game. Then Sunday, 9 a.m., we get it all going. Browns game day, Gerard Cherry and I, 11 a.m., Browns kickoff show with myself, Andy Baskin, and Tyvis Powell. 11 p.m., 11 a.m., kickoff, or 1 p.m., kickoff with Jim, Nathan, and Gerard from First Energy Stadium. For Jason Gibbs, Meredith Kane, Connor Lawrence, the associate producer, and my good buddy, Gerard Cherry. I'm Ken Carmen. wishing you a happy Thanksgiving and thanking you for listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. Join us next week for more behind-the-scenes Browns news from Berea. We always look at each game as how do we win this game and what does this game call for. This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts of the game without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network.